Hey everybody, I'm Larry Little and you're listening to Crossing the Line 2022, our podcast where I talk with people about the moments in their life when they cross that line from leading with their head to leading with their heart. And boy, do I have a fun guest today. Uh, Dr. Yvette Rice joins me today and uh, she is something else. Uh, She is uh, a woman who owns her own company. She's African-American. She's an engineer. Uh, She's a lifelong learner. Uh, She has uh, just a list of accomplishments. She has several firsts in her life. You're going to hear about that today where she became the first two. Uh, She is an educator by by heart, I would say, and comes from a a heritage of, of educators. She's the president of LLVE LLC, which is Learning to Live in Victory and Excellence. It's a woman-owned business. But more than that, uh, Yvette is is special because she understands leadership. She understands uh, people, but she's very intelligent, very bright. So she also understands how that how to connect with others. She understands that that life is hard. She's been through discrimination. Uh, she's been through hard times. Yet here she is, leading CEOs, COOs, training, speaking, coaching, um, just an inspirational leader. So I've talked enough because I want you to meet Yvette. I want you to hear from her. She is uh, quite the leader. So let's jump into my conversation with Dr. Yvette Rice right now. Well, welcome, Dr. Yvette. I'm so glad. You know, you're one of my favorite people since we met a long time ago, and you've just reminded me of our meeting earlier when we were visiting and talking. And and to our listeners, we've had such a good time visiting and talking, we had to stop to get to this podcast, didn't we? (laughs) We sure did. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for being here. And and today, we want to hear, you've done incredible things that we we just have talked about in your intro. You you have done amazing things. Uh, But I don't want to talk about what you've accomplished um, from a leadership perspective, I want to talk about you as a leader today. Is that all right? Can, can we do that? Because we want to learn from you and from your experiences, and we want a, a personal view of Dr. Yvette Rice today. We want to we want to hear your story, Thank if you, you will. Well, let's go back then. You were, let's say, um, a child. Let, let's go. You know, you're six, seven, eight years old. Tell us who who were you? Where were you? And what was life like then? Okay, I grew up in Decatur, Alabama. And um, along with my parents, um, Maurice and Annie Harris, Mm. and my mother was more the disciplinarian than my father. He had a soft heart because uh, he had two girls, no sons. Oh, my. Uh, I uh, had the leg, uh, came from a legacy of family with uh, wonderful, strong grandmothers, which Mm. was wonderful for for me growing up, and a grandfather, my maternal grandfather, who was such a strong, loving man. Uh, very. We grew up in a Christian home uh, where discipline was important, Yeah. but leadership and, and understanding your skills and developing who you should be and were created to be was important to my family. So you, you grew up in the city or were you out in the, out no, in the country? No, we actually grew up in the city of Decatur um, here. Now, my, my, grandp- my great-grandparents grew up I mean, they own land in uh, what used to be called, or still probably is called Belmina, Alabama. Yeah, yes. Okay, so yes. the Macklin family still has land there. But uh, my mother and uh, her siblings, they grew up here in Decatur. Mm-hmm. So, all right, now you're, you're around eight, 
let, talk me through this. What's a day in the life of, of Yvette like? Where I, I, my life in that age group was uh, different. It was interesting. I, uh, I just give my mother all kind of props because she was a teacher's aide during mm. that time. Mm. And my mother wanted to become an educator. So she chose to go to, to Calhoun to college, to junior college. She got a junior college degree. She left there and went to, Ad, it was back then, it was um, Athens State, I'm yeah. thinking. Yeah. And then on to Alabama A&M. So she went, she got her uh, associate, a bachelor's, and a master's degree in education while still working and taking care of me and my sister. Hey, did you guys catch that? I mean, amazing example of legacy uh, by uh, Dr. Yvette Rice by her mom and the example that her mom gave to her by saying, I'm going to step out and, and become an educator. But it also taught her how to do some things on her own as a child, she says. Here it is again, folks. This, this is what leadership looks like. Um, she began to, to develop those characteristics at a very young age because of the environment that she was in, because of the examples that she had. Really good stuff. Unbelievable. And so she could become an educator in the Decatur City School System. Okay, now you're young. You're just a young thing. But, but that had to be, when your mom was doing that, that had to be back in the... In the 60s, 60s. going into the 70s, yes. So, so Yvette, what's it like for an African-American woman, female, to say, I, I want to go to school. I want to go back. I want to become an educator. How difficult was that? It, it actually, you know, during that time, women were supposed to just take care of their families. You know that. And some work, of course, many um, African-American mothers had to work outside of the home. Yeah. But when you think about it, she took a great step mm-hmm. because my father only had a, he had a, a social degree um, from Calhoun. It was a technical degree. Okay. And for her to pursue beyond that. It, for some, it would have looked like she was usurping authority over her husband or mm-hmm. looking like, you know, she wanted to uh, be the ultimate breadwinner. But he didn't see it that way. Mm-mm. He was honored that she wanted to pursue that goal. Wow. And so he fully supported her. That meant, you know, my sister and I had to learn how to do some things in our home at an early age mm-hmm. so that my mother could go back to school. But it taught me perseverance and, and resiliency because I know that could not have been easy for her. Mm-mm. And to think about it during that time as an African-American woman in the classroom even becoming an educator um, was really, you know, uh, during that time it could have been challenging for her. And I remember her studying late at night and uh, trying to make sure that everything was taken care of in our family. But at the same time, making sure that she graduated with honors. She always wanted to graduate with honors. She was very smart. Wow. Uh, I think she even got to skip a grade when she was in in elementary school. So she was very smart. And she felt like she married young right out of high school. My dad went to the military. And so there was a time when she was just trying to raise my older sister uh, with family support while my dad was in the military. But she always wanted to get a college degree. Mm. Uh, my grandmother did not have that privilege because because of the segregation laws during that time, she could only go as right. far as the seventh grade. All right, my goodness. Well, you know, your mom, it sounds like, more than even a, a desire, this was almost a calling for her to become an educator. It, it was. And, and that is so powerful. And I remember, and, and, and I'm 60 years old, I remember in the fourth grade, mm-hmm. so I was however old I was, a wonderful teacher who has impacted my life from that time to now 
because I think about her. She was a wonderful African-American teacher. Her name was Miss Vincent. I still remember her. I remember her. You remember Miss Vincent? Yes. What a wonderful lady who taught me about strength and courage and trust and, and, and would tell me what I could do in terms of what I could be when I didn't have a clue. Those characteristics have a life impression that I carry with me to this day. It, it, so congratulations to mom. That's, that's amazing. Did she teach then? Did yes, she go she to teach? Taught, she, she retired from the Decatur City School System. Did she really? She, I still run into people who she either taught them or their grandchildren. Oh, my and, um, and my mother does too when she has a chance to go out. And they tell what an impact mm. she had on their lives. In fact, up until my mother started ailing uh, physically, she still bought backpacks, and school supplies for her neighborhood children. Oh my goodness! Wow. Um, I have so many run into so many people who said you you just don't realize what your mother did for me. And 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 looking back, I realized my mother she still is an educator. I, I remember sharing a message one time and teaching or speaking publicly. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, she she graded me on certain words that I used. <laughs> You gotta love it. You know, gotta love it. I know, it. and and I and I said I would never be in the teaching profession. I went right. to engineering and and all of those things, but right. uh, in the technical field. And here I am now in leadership or sharing. And I think it be, is because of the legacy that she left as an ed- educator and the imprint that she put in my heart. Mm. Uh, she always wanted me and my sister to excel and achieve, and I think that came back from even her mother. Yeah. You know, watching my grandmother, um, I uh, my grandmother grew up, you know, like I said, she only got a seventh grade education, but she was instrumental uh, with a couple of other ladies in the city of Decatur, Alabama, to start the first African-American Girl Scout troop here. Really? Yes. What a legacy. And what a legacy. So, I mean, all, all of these people, even at that young age, mm-hmm. left an impression on my life that I think has guided me through everything that I've accomplished. Now we've talked and I know that your your this Yvette is your middle name. Yes. Is this the grandmother that you were named? No, that yeah. grandmother, uh, the one I'm speaking of with the Girl Scout troop, her name is Eunice. Eunice, Eunice Valentine. Okay. Now, now tell us about the other one. The other grandmother, Clotilde Harris, she raised my dad and her his younger brother, Harold, uh, as a divorcee. Now you know back in that time women did not divorce their that's husbands. That's right, that's right. They stayed good or bad, but she had to make a decision that that was the best thing for her family. Mm. And so she moved back and lived with my great grandmother and my great grandmother was Ellen at the time. She took care of my father and my um his brother. She worked two or three jobs and she made sure that they were educated. And my my uncle Harold actually graduated from Tuskegee Institute. Now, you got to think about this. That's in, what, the 60s? Yeah. He graduated in engineering. My goodness. He worked for NASA until he retired. Did he really? Yes. Wow. And so from that seed, it that's where the engineering gene, I think, fell into the family mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that grandmother, Clotilde Harris, ended up with four granddaughters, no grandsons, and all four of us graduated from major universities in engineering. Goodness. In the in the uh, late so seventies, where early eighties is mm, really mm. when we started to graduate. Did you look around in the classroom and go, I- "I'm the only African American female here"? Uh, it was well, you know, it started out that way in many of the classes. But during that time, the university that I went to actually had started a program trying to encourage more females 
to become engineers. Okay. So good, they, they good, actually good. set up a dormitory floor where it was all female engineering students. Mm, wow. And that was in the 80s. That was in the uh, late 70s, late early 70s. 80s. That's amazing. That is, what a journey. So you, your legacy is you come from a line of, long line of strong, determined, let's go, let's get this education, let's do the hard thing. Yes. That's kind of your legacy and your heritage, yeah. isn't it? Uh, yes, it your, is. your parents, grandparents, that kind of yes, thing. Yes, my parents and grandparents. So so now, Yvette, oh, by the way, what did you call your grandmother that was named after you? Clotilde. Clotilde. Oh, her nickname no. is Mama Clotilde. That's what I want to know, Mama yes, Clotilde. Mama I love Clody. that. <laughs> she, and, you know, my, are we, are we, my, my, Mama Clotilde was this woman that was a wonderful cook. She, we, now we would call her chef. Um, mm. When we went to her home, we always ate on real china. Oh my! Cloth napkins. Yes. And the table was always set, and so that was the atmosphere that we grew oh, up love. in. Wow! As children, I was I'm, I say I'm, I was blessed uh, to have both my parents growing up, but also um, we would go to eat breakfast with her, or on ho- holidays she'd always have a Christmas brunch. The other grandmother, Mama Eunice, we would go to her house. And have Sunday morning breakfast, steak and gravy, homemade biscuits and rice. Oh, yes. And then we would go back home and get dressed to go to church. Really? Yes. I mean, so family has always Mm. been important. So what about Mama Claudia? What was your favorite meal? Oh, her her, her turkey and dressing. In fact, the Decatur City, the newspaper here did an article on her one time. Really? About her her, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners. You were blessed. I was. You were blessed. So let me take you back. Now Yvette is a teenager, maybe junior high teenager, and you're trying to, you grow up in this home that is, it's teaching you about education and perseverance, but still, it's now the, what is it now, the 70s? Yes. What's that like? So another interesting part of my life, Um, when I was in the third, I think maybe fourth grade, uh, desegregation had gone away. And schools were integrating. And I had a choice to continue to go to my neighborhood school, which was right down the street, or to go to what was uh, was, was still here, West Decatur. West Decatur. And I chose to go to West Decatur. So at a very young age, uh, Yvette decides to do something incredibly difficult, uh, step out of her comfort zone from, from her school that she knew to an integrated school during uh, that desegregation time. Wow, what a... What a, a, an amazing young lady. Once again, the things that have happened to her through the course of her life are defining the leader that she is today. Wow. So I was leaving a very comfortable environment to be in a interracial situation, but I, I just felt in my heart. I knew it was what I was supposed mm. to do. So I remember us, um, it was only like maybe five or six black students in that school at the time because a lot of the other students still chose to be in the neighborhood. Okay. And I remember being in classes where I was the only um, African-American in the class. Mm-hmm. But I knew I was supposed to do that. I didn't understand it at the time. Mm-hmm. Now I do, but I didn't understand it then. Mm. But I got to know so many um Friends and people outside of the culture that I grew up in, so my my life became multi multicultural. Wow! So from that, um, I remember when Brookhaven was built, mm-hmm. and um, I wanted to be a cheerleader. 
And the first time I tried out, I didn't make it. I was so disappointed. But I, I persevered, and I kept at it. And the next year, I did. Now, and so with that, when I left to go to Austin, Austin had never had an African-American cheerleader before in the oh, history of the my school. Goodness. Wow. So I tried out, and the students had to vote during the time. They're, the students voted for who made cheerleaders, which meant if I'm in a minority environment as far as the number of minority students, everyone, uh, other students had to choose me, and they did. Oh, my goodness. I, I became the first African-American cheerleader Austin High School wow. ever had. Wow. That's and, awesome. And I think because I made that step mm -hmm. back when I was in elementary school, mm -hmm. it played a part in me being, becoming a history maker for the city. Yes, you were. Now, but I have to ask you, so now you, you, know, you made that step and you tried out for cheerleader at Brookhaven, didn't make it, came back, tried out again. But now you're in high school and you know the students are going to vote. What was going on inside of you? How did you overcome that, that obstacle? T talk to us about what you, was happening. You know, I had to learn really early that you don't see people as anything but people. See people as people. Not the color of their skin, but as people. Uh, what a truth by Yvette that we, that we even now must remember. And she was brought up that way, taught that uh, by her parents. You know, my family brought me up loving everyone, no matter who they were. My, my, my grandparents and my parents' table was open to anyone who came and had mm, a need. And so that's the way they brought me up. So when I got into high school, was in junior high, well, back then it was middle school and high school, I only saw people for who they were mm. and what they, you know, I wanted to be that person that could unite yes. uh, us instead of divide us. Mm. And, yeah. and I believe that's the platform God gave me back then. I just didn't understand. I was too young to know that's what it was, but it was important to me. In fact, because I felt that pull, they actually, I was voted the second year by the chilling squad to be the head cheerleader. Oh, my goodness. You are of, kidding me. So so I felt like, you know, now you're older and you look back, you think, gosh, that was destiny. But yeah, all of it connected. All of it connected. And the key was always see people as who they are. My parents taught me that, mm. to, um, to love in spite of, to be kind and uh, tenderhearted. Mm. Um, to stand up for what is right, but at the same time, don't overlook that little guy, the one everybody else ignores or passes That's right. over. That's right. So that was important to me. All right, I'm going to take a shot at this, knowing you like I think I do. When you decided to go out for cheerleader, mm -hmm. and then when you, you made it and then were, were, you were voted head cheerleader, um, it wasn't just because you were black. No. You you had to work, didn't you? I, I could just see you. I, Talk to us about listen, that. What you do? I, I, my mother probably got tired of me uh, jumping up and down and yelling and screaming. That's I learned I, cheers. I, 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 you know, I had to do a lot of exercise. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the sponsors that we had were very disciplined back then. I mean, we had to yeah. run the track. Really? Out the, of, I uh -huh. remember running the track out at Austin High School mm -hmm. to be in shape. Um, some people didn't understand my perseverance. I was persecuted a little bit by mm -hmm. some people that that did not understand why I was doing what I was doing. And think about it, it was different for both of all of us because yeah. 
you have to back during during that time, cheerleaders spent the night at each other's homes. So here this young African-American female was going into a different environment, mm-hmm. and the same for me. But we 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 made it work, and we worked hard at it. We it. we won national we won national awards at cheerleaders. Wow! Well, you did work hard. We did and work you, hard, and you were the head cheerleader. Yes, That's amazing. And I, it, so it fell on me. If we didn't win, it was my fault. <laughs> wow! If you think about it, yeah. so you know we had to work hard. We had to to do what it took to become that champion in those areas. You know, Yvette, what I'm loving about your story is you the the reality of discrimination is is there and you talk about that, but there's just no bitterness. There's instead you said you want to be a unifier uh, unifier. That is amazing and I love your heart in this. You you were persecuted. You you certainly were discriminated against back in that day. But you've used that to become who you are today. Absolutely. What a, what an I, I, amazing story. It's made me a better woman. It's made me a better person. Mm. Um, even even from there when I went off to college, and I know you haven't gotten there yet, have we? No, we're about to. <laughs> okay. Let's go there. Let's okay. go there. You're in college. Okay, so so think about this. Now, I, may, I want to major in engineering. and But during that time, you have to remember, in the 70s, in the early 70s, in high school, girls did not take um, mechanic courses like the auto mechanics. We automatically were signed up for FBLA, which or the the um, uh, what's it better? What is I can't remember. F, Future Business Leaders of America. Okay, so we okay, had to go to okay. the home ec courses. That's what it was. Got it. They got didn't it. call it. They called it home education, and, and it was mostly females. I don't think I don't ever remember a male being in there. Mm-hmm. So you have to remember. I want to be an engineer, but I have no background in understanding or seeing anything in three D. Oh my goodness! So. Um, my sister was already in engineering school and at University of Alabama, so I went there as well. Right. But and so when I get in the classroom, the first thing the one of the professors says to me, you know, says to the class, All right, I need y'all to draw a diagram of a flashlight. He was not talking about the outer shell. And I knew that. <laughs> but I had no background, remember? I didn't get a chance to take those auto mechanic courses or anything related to engineering. Right. So while everybody else was doing the electrical diagram, I drew a shell <laughs> of that flashlight, and I got up, and I went and dropped that class. <laughs> you said, I'm out. Thank I, you. I, I, yes. I'm done. And then I realized I had that support of those women, mm-hmm. those other young women in that dorm on that floor. We were staying in Tutwiler. It's a well-known dormitory, yeah. and we were on the 14th floor, and it was established for us. And I began to meet other females in engineering and other black females in engineering, along with my sister. And they said, you cannot quit. I love it. Don't let this deter you from doing what you need to do. Mm. You can do this. Because in high school, I aced everything. I was an A student. I mean, you know, A, A some Bs, but right, right. I was not the valedictorian, but I was a good student. Yeah. But I didn't have to... I, I knew it, and I could get it, but I didn't have to dig like I had yeah. to start digging. Yeah, this was different. It and was very yeah. different. And then you got to remember culture. This is Alabama football. Oh, my. Bear Bryant was the head coach. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So here, here we are. And, and think about, I look at the sacrifices that my mother and father had mm. to make mm. to have two girls at the University of Alabama in the 70s and 80s going to college. It was not cheap. No. No, it was and, not cheap. And I look back now, and, and I know that they had to make a lot of sacrifices mm. 
for us to be there. Especially thinking about my mother just, uh, my mother and dad had just paid for her to get her degree. Right. But they made that sacrifice for me and my sister Gloria to do the same thing. My goodness. And now, looking back on that legacy that they provided for you, you appreciate that sacrifice, but but you also, I'm going to go back, you know, you could have squandered that. You know, they could have sent you down to, to uh, Alabama and the university, and you would have, you, you could have played, you could have, I, you could listen, have thrown that away. I almost did. <laughs> but you didn't. I, no, I didn't. You know, I, I had a fork in the road. I, I was, there were times when I should have been focusing on studying, but you know, think about it, national championships. And I have to tell you this to, to get me to that point. I want you to listen here because she's about to talk about a decision she made, a fork in the road. I don't want you to miss it. It literally defined her path in life. One decision. Here it comes. My dad never had sons. He only had two daughters. Mm. He raised us to know football. I mean, we knew, we. my sister and I, could could commentate the game Love because it. he taught us that. I right. mean, so I was so engrossed in. Oh, I mean, think this is a national platform of all of these. I mean, the opportunity to see some of the biggest games, Alabama, USC. You know, you start. I think about Notre Dame was coming to Alabama. And all of these schools. Mm-hmm. That's when the, during the time of Bear Bryant. So I focused too much on that almost, and not enough on engineering. Mm-hmm. And I had a professor to tell me, "You will never be an engineer." Well. Wow. Because I was not doing my best. I had to make a choice. I could go home in shame because I did have some scholarship money that I was about to lose. I could go home in shame or I could settle down and do what I needed to do to finish. And I made that choice to finish. Mm. And so I I tell anybody now, regardless of what it looks like and where you started, even if you're in college right now, you're doing terrible. You can turn it around and still succeed, but you're going to have to be resilient and persevere. Ooh. Yvette, this is amazing. Listen, you are teaching us uh, right and left all these, these incredible nuggets of truth that, that you are living. So so you you graduated from Alabama. Right. And where did you meet your, your husband? We Actually, this is funny. We grew up in the same church. Oh, my goodness. Indicator, Alabama. Yeah. Now, mind you, I majored in petroleum engineering. So my idea was to be in Louisiana, uh, somewhere in New well, not Louisiana, somewhere in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, in Louisiana or mm-hmm. Texas. Yeah. On an oil rig somewhere. I mean, I had it all figured out. I loved that thought of, and people going, you're nuts, you're a woman. Why do you want to go work on an oil platform? But that's what I wanted to do. When I graduated in 1982, the oil industry bottomed out. Okay, yes. So I, I even met a gentleman one time, and we laughed about it. We said, God had the oil industry crash to make us go back to our hometowns. <laughs> I <laughs> Be- do remember that. Because I would have never come back to Decatur. Yeah. I would have gone somewhere else. But that wasn't God's plan for me. Mm-hmm. And what we have to understand, even though we go through things to get places, or, uh, like an education or whatever, it's the ultimate, it falls back on what is my purpose? That's right. That's so good. What is my purpose? And every experience we have has something to do with your purpose, mm. whether you accept it or not. It does. Ooh, that's rich. So that I came rich. home, couldn't find a job in petroleum engineering. I tried. Right. So I decided, okay, 
uh, I started going back to our church. My husband had graduated from college, and he had come back to Decatur. And oddly enough, he became the first ju- uh, African-American juvenile probation officer in Morgan County. My goodness. So he ended up landing back in Decatur. He didn't want to move back to Decatur either, but that was his plan. God's plan for him. Didn't know it. So we just kind of, I, uh, I, I ended up, I was decided I was going to double major and go back and get a mechanical engineering degree. Mm. So I was at um, a U- UAH. Mm-hmm. Ran into a gentleman. He said, you already have an engineering degree. I said, sure. He said, well, the government's looking for um, female engineers. He said, you should apply. I did. So I landed back here in Decatur. And, and, I, and I moved to Huntsville, but I kept going to the same church. And I heard my husband liked me. Okay. But he finally right. got the nerve to ask me out. <laughs> and my husband's name is Sam Rice. And he finally asked me out. And I knew I was going to marry him the first time we went out. Oh, my goodness. You knew it. I just knew he was going to be my husband. Oh, wow. You, you just you had that um, insight. When you when you went out with him, this this is my one. This yes, is, this is him. I did. And the rest is history. Now tell us this, because I have another question I, I want to ask you before we have to close out. Because your story is amazing, and I could talk to you all day. But but now tell us about do, do you do you and Sam have children? Do you not? We need to know. Yes, that. we have. We've been married over thirty five years. Mm. We have a son and a daughter. Samuel Christopher is our son. He's the youngest. Our daughter is Charnay Yvette. Mm-hmm. I blessed her with my middle name. I love it. And uh, they're both engineers. My goodness. And the funny story is my daughter graduated from Auburn. Well, how about that? You've got a blended family. I do. <laughs> I knew, Listen, I knew you were a smart lady sending that girl. No, I'm playing. That, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Listen, I know you're an Auburn. I, I love, am, look, but... You're an Auburn man, and she is an Auburn woman. And she got her, she actually majored in uh, actuarial science. Oh, my. And at Auburn. And then she decided she wanted to go into more of the technical field. So mm-hmm. she went and got a systems engineering degree, a master's in systems engineering from uh, Alabama A&M. Good for her. Yep. And our son, because I had a connection way back at Alabama, my best friend ended up marrying E.J. Jr., who played at Alabama. And so he was coaching at Central State. Yeah, in Ohio at the time, and my son ended up going to Central State playing football for EJ Jr., and he got an engineering degree while he was there. My goodness. Now, is he back in the area? He is back. He lives in Madison, married with two, two I have two beautiful granddaughters oh, through our son, Christopher. Goodness gracious. That is beautiful. And, and you know, Yvette, we may just have to, you know, I was just thinking, um, Robin over here is our producer we 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 may have to have a part two because we we this has been so fun we just got you up to to just the the married part we got so much more to talk about i want but i do want to ask you this before i let you go if and, and we'll talk about coming back and doing some more but i want you to think about you have given your life now your life work to to developing leaders and and helping women and and stem areas to lead because you, you are passionate about that and do a tremendous job so I just have to ask you this question. As you think about these young leaders coming up, male, female, mm-hmm. lead, young young leaders, aspiring leaders, give us some some things that you would say, hey, this is, this is what you need to know. Let me just give you some wisdom. What would you say to them as as they come as they're coming up in in their careers? If you don't mind, I have, I have an acronym that I like to share. I love it. Okay, it is um, 
my phone does not want to cooperate with me. But That's it's okay. about gravity is what I call it. Hey, grab a pen or, or something or your, your phone to take some notes because uh, Yvette's about to give you some really good stuff from this acronym. So pay attention to it and listen to it because I think it, it'll help you. Because as a leader, all of us have to understand the importance of um, pulling people together as a team. That's why I call it gravity. I love that. So real leaders have to understand that group interaction and engagement is important. Mm. If you're going to lead anyone or become a strong leader, you have to understand that the main thing about success as a leader is bringing people together mm. and interaction. So true. Um, so group interaction. If you see someone sitting in amongst a group and they're quiet and it looks like they never have anything to say, Something is wrong there, and you need to find out mm. why they haven't been given a voice. That's so good. Why have they not been given why, a voice? Right, I love it. because obviously you brought them on your team for a reason. Mm -hmm. They have something to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, they're, are not, they're not exercising their voice. Mm. Love so, it. So find out why. Mm. And let them know that what they have to say matters and that it counts. I love it. So that, that acronym is the acronym GRAVITY? Yes. And keep, talk about that a so little bit So the R is REGARD. That's what I want to hear. Re Regarding. You want to regard, have regards for everyone, whether you disagree with them or not. You should extend Man, some kind of regard for who they are, mm. who they were created to be. And then A, I always say ask the right questions. So good, yeah. You know, some we ask so many questions that are irrelevant. You know, I love sitting down with you because you always ask the right questions. Mm. You pull out what's in someone. That was the first thing I noticed about you when we met was you always seem very interested in what someone has to say, and you always ask the right questions. Mm. That is a sign of a really good leader. Thank you so much. And then V is valuable. Value, oh, value the contributions that everyone makes, mm. whether it's small mm. or major. It all has to fit a puzzle. You know, I some puzzle it. pieces, some piece pieces are more significant than others when mm. it comes to the puzzle. Mm -hmm. But when you put it all together, you have what the big picture. Yes, that's right. So value everyone's input, and then I say, uh, I be intentional. Yes, to serve your team. Because mm. we're servant leaders, aren't we? That's right. Be intentional. So many times we're intentional about what we want in ourselves, but how how many times are we intentional about serving oh, others? So good. And then T, tone. Tone down to avoid confusion and disruption. Mm, that's so good. You know, so many times we want to be heard. Yeah. But if we would tone it down, we could hear all sides of the conversation and get to the ultimate goal. Wow, what wisdom. And then the last thing is why. Every one of us, you and I, every one of us can make a difference. Mm, you are singing my song and speaking my language. All right, Yvette, go through it one more time and give us that gravity acronym. Okay, one gravity. More mm -hmm. Group interaction, G. Mm -hmm. R, regards for everyone. Mm -hmm. A, ask the right questions. Mm -hmm. V, value the contribution that everyone brings to the table. I, be intentional as a servant leader. Mm. And 
T, tone down to avoid confusion, and Y, you and I both. We all have to, to be a part to make a difference. Ooh, let me tell you something, Yvette. For all of us listening to you and, and how you inspire us, if, listen, if we can't get inspired by that, uh, something's wrong with us. Uh, as they say, if that didn't light your fire, your wood's wet. And uh, <laughs> I, I want to thank you. What, what, what an honor. Your story is amazing. Uh, it's one of perseverance. Uh, it's one of taking a chance and overcoming. It, it's one of understanding who you are and, and working to, to become who you are because of the legacy. Uh, wow, what a, what an amazing! It helps me to understand why you're so awesome, even right now, and that, and because of Thank what you've you. gone through, Thank to to say I'm going to continue to work, I'm going to continue to fight. But we have more to learn, and I hope we can come back and you I'll honor us to. by coming back and let's continue our conversation. Can't thank you enough for coming today and sharing with us and the gravity to that you've given to to all of us. I said aspiring leaders, but I'm man, I've got to get that and make sure I put that so I can see it and remember it. <laughs> but uh, we appreciate. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you for giving your time today to join us on Crossing the Line. You are an amazing leader. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Well, there you have it. I don't know about you, but I enjoyed, wow, I enjoyed this, this podcast. Uh, you know, Dr. Yvette is amazing in that she has experienced so much life and she's still excited and still passionate about helping others. I loved her her story. I loved how she persevered. I love how she overcame. I love how she she failed and got back up and and tried again when she she didn't make it in middle school. I I loved when she had to learn a lesson in college and had to buckle down. She's just something else. She's uh, someone that we can all look to and I learned a lot. I hope you paid attention and I hope you got that gravity uh, uh, illustration that she gave us. Hope you wrote that down. I hope that this podcast encouraged you. I hope it it let you know that uh, maybe when you're struggling, there is hope. I hope it gave you some opportunity to think about things that you can do to persevere. I know it did for me. It challenged me. So thank you so much for joining us on this edition of Crossing the Line. I hope that you take this. I hope that you use it. And I hope that you continue to make a difference in the lives of those you love, live with, and lead. We'll see you next time.